Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made as a Myth Make a Difference Together show, where we're interviewing successful business owners to, to hear their journey of building their business. And because we know that building a business doesn't happen on our own, we're taking some time to recognize those folks who have helped us along the way, give them some shout outs for the the things that they've been able to provide in our business, that well-deserved shout out that they deserve. I'm excited today to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us. My guest uh, owns their own coffee company along with the, the business that they're going to be talking about today. And that uh, coffee company is in Indianapolis. And um, we're going to have her share a little bit about that here in a minute. In her downtime, she enjoys shopping for plants, and she has about 20 of them uh, right now. She calls herself the plant mom. <laughs> I love it. And she's most proud of her consistent pursuit in her entrepreneurial journey. And for all of those of us listening, we know that building a business is a uh, can be challenging with ups and downs. So having that consistency and, and keeping after it is just an awesome trait to have. It's my pleasure to welcome Shalanda to the show today. Hello, Shalanda. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live and about your family and your hobbies. Okay, sure. Um, I'm Chalanda, um, the owner of Identity Marketing and Branding and Silk Coffee Company. I was born and raised here in Indianapolis on the northwest side of town, grew up in Pike Township, uh, went to Pike High School. Um, <laughs> that's where I graduated. Um, I am the youngest of three children. I have an older brother and an older sister. And growing up, um, I think I, I can say we had a pretty normal life. Um, um, it's funny that I kind of always imagined myself at some point being in business for myself. I just didn't know what that looked like, especially as uh, growing up or as a young child. Um, so I think probably around um, graduating from high school into that first year of college, I kind of start formulating, okay, I know that I'm kind of going down the track of, of marketing or graphic design and things like that. Um, and so I start um, working in that field and being fortunate enough to kind of really work in that field, even in high school, all the way up until now. So it was it was truly, truly a blessing to be able to kind of get right into my field early on. Um, I also have always had a love for coffee, and that started with my grandmother. Um, when I was a young child, she would always put a little bit of coffee in my tea set, um, it, just black coffee, no uh -huh. cream, no sugar. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so we would have that time together, my sister and I, uh, drinking coffee in our little tea set. And so, <laughs> you know, grown up loving the the taste of coffee, and I always knew I want to have my own coffee line and eventually my own coffee lounge. And so now I'm kind of in the birthing process of getting people familiar with the Silk Company brand, Silk Company brand um, for coffee. So, so yeah. Very cool. Tell us about uh, being a plant mom. Okay. So a plant mom. <laughs> That's <laughs> for me. Um, I would say, I would say maybe three or four years ago. Um, I actually, it's funny. My grandmother owned a lot of plants and I hated them. Like, <laughs> and them, and she would line them up against her patio, and I always thought it looked a little tacky. <laughs> um, I always thought it was like she had all these plants, but um, it's something clicked for me with plants. I don't know. I kind of think it was the ability to actually uh, watch something grow, mm. and you have the opportunity to 
to help it grow. And it was kind of a challenge for me. And so I started out with one plant and it just multiplied into several. And <laughs> I've actually given a lot of plants away over time. So, so yeah, I love have it. Have you become your grandma? Do you have them lined up on the sill as well? I do. Um, <laughs> I have about five of my plants in front of uh, my my main window in my uh -huh. living room lined up. Now my plants look a lot different than hers. Uh -huh. but <laughs> I have become her in that sense. So yeah. Wonderful. What is the uh, the most exotic plant that you have? Hmm. I would probably difficult to take care of. Hmm. I have never been able to take care of an elephant ear plant or an alocasia plant very well. Um, I have one now and it's a little droopy, um, but I have had her for a couple years now, but they are very difficult plants to take care of um, mm -hmm. because they need a lot of sunlight, um, a lot of direct sun, and they're very, they they drink a lot of water. So they're in a tropical area originally. So that one's really hard to keep indoors. Got it. All right. Fantastic. Well, let's have you, if you wouldn't mind, what's a funny story that your family tells about you that you'd be willing to share with us? Okay. Uh, well, as I mentioned before, I've always kind of known that I would be in business at some point in life. And my mother used to work in the financial industry. She uh, was a bank teller for years. Um, and then she uh, kind of started selling other uh, financial products in the banking industry. And she would always bring home deposit slips, mm. like little blank deposit slips, things like that. And she bought me what I believe was called a Miss Executive set. It was a brown little briefcase and it had pins in it. And she would put the deposit slips in there for me. <laughs> as weird as this may sound, I would go into the restroom and spend a lot of time in there acting as if I was a teller or uh, making a <laughs> business transaction. And my family mentions that now, and even a cousin of mine will say, we always knew that you would be in business because you were little. So <laughs> it's something that I've kind of always done, done. And so, yeah, that's, that's funny to me. And I remember it vividly. Um, <laughs> I don't know why as a child, Filling out a deposit slip was interesting to me. Right? Yeah. Weird, but <laughs> it paid off. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing. Um, tell us about a uh, how the business came about. At what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? You know, I kind of think I've always had the confidence. Mm -hmm. I, I always looked at the task as something that, oh, I can do that. Um, I don't think starting out like between that high school transition to college, I don't think I knew what it would take. I didn't think about all the aspects of it, but it, it was a challenge to me. It was something like, oh, I can do that. No problem. Uh -huh. And I, looking at it, I never really thought about, oh, well, you're going to have to think about accounting. You're going to have to think about a marketing strategy. I never looked at it like that. I just said, oh, I can do it. Yeah. And so I think that around that my freshman year in college, I knew, okay, I, I want to go into business. Like, I, I want to do this. Um, in high school, I was the secretary of our gospel choir, and I would make the flyers for our events. Okay. And so I knew graphic design was something that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so being able to practice at that early age um, and kind of you know, flowing through that, even through college and actually getting clients that I didn't call clients. I would just do it for them. Yeah. Um, I, I said, I can make a living doing this. 
I, I really could. And so I think once that freshman year in college was over, I, I just delved into it and, and I just started. And, you know, I didn't, I can't say that I actually established the business as far as, you know, filing for an LLC or all of that, but I just started doing it. Um, and I had clients. I was like, I had clients and it was really shocking. Now, I'm not <laughs> every client had the best experience because I was learning and I was really, really young. Mm -hmm. um, but I started out, you know, around that freshman year in college and I never stopped. I've been doing it that long. That is awesome. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit more about the company. What's the name? What do you guys do? How do you help people? Okay. So the name of the company is Identity Marketing and Branding, and we are a marketing and branding firm. So we really come alongside businesses and help them understand what branding and marketing really is. What I have found is that a lot of companies assume branding is a logo. Mm. And although that is a part of your branding, it has to do with your business practices, your wording on your website, uh, what your paper material says, how your customer service interaction is, um, your business model. There's so much involved in branding. And I think that a lot of smaller businesses um, just don't understand that. And so identity marketing and branding really comes alongside the client and helps them understand, okay, this is your logo. This is your brand, mm -hmm. but let's infiltrate that throughout your, your, your business. Um, also, there are a lot of marketing strategies out there that a lot of companies are unaware of. Um, and we really come alongside those companies and put those strategies in place. And then we pride ourselves in teaching them on how to run those strategies and how to run those platforms. Um, we're there for support. Yeah. But once we do that training and we teach them, we don't want you to be capped or limited to what we provide. We want you to have the knowledge and eventually build your own marketing team and, mm -hmm. and department so that you can take it further. So that's pretty much a gist, the gist of what we do. Fantastic. So Shalanda, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even maybe though you didn't think that you could and the impact that that person had on you. Yeah. So I, I instantly think of my friend, Kathy. Uh, she is a business owner. She also works in ministry as well. And one day I was really, really frustrated. And this was not that long ago. Uh, I, well, I would say maybe a year ago. I was really, really frustrated. And I knew that something wasn't working for me in my business. I wasn't being as fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I was you know, making the flyer here or there, making the graphic here or there, you know, providing marketing training, but something was really, really off for me. And I began to get really, really irritated um, and irritated, unfortunately, with working with clients. Mm -hmm. I felt pulled in multiple directions and I couldn't focus. Right. And so I remember having a conversation with her. I said, I'm going to quit. I, I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, and so she was just kind of like no you're not and I'm like no like I'm gonna quit and I'm done and I'm gonna do coffee and that's it <laughs> <laughs> and, and work full-time in ministry because I'm also a, a media director for my church and mm -hmm. I said I'm just gonna do that I, I can't deal with people anymore and this <laughs> I think this is very important because you, yeah. I feel like an entrepreneur is gonna have that moment I can't deal with people anymore like I just I can't um, <laughs> And she was so adamant and said, you're not going to quit. It's your passion. Wow. Yeah. And we began to talk through it. And in talking through that with her, I realized it's not that something wasn't working for me. I believe that that was the point in my business where I knew I had to make a shift on how I was doing things. Right. And that's when I began to really 
iron things out and say, okay, I love teaching and coaching and marketing. I'm getting frustrated dealing one-on-one -on -one with so many clients designing this, designing that. That was that was the notification in my mind that no, something just needs to shift. You don't need yeah. to quit. Yeah. So she really helped me understand that and, and really talk through that. And that's kind of when I began to shift the focus of my business to more consulting and more uh, working one-on-one -on -one business, uh, businesses about what they're doing and not doing everything for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a natural uh, progression that I see with business owners. Another way to, to solve that is to hire, you know, more junior people, right. To do the do. Right. And so naturally what tends to happen is the, you know, the, the person who's more experienced like yourself will become more the, the internal coach, right. The trainer and the coach of the, of the team, the internal team and have the strategy interaction with the, with the client. But, you know, the, the doing the do is either done by the internal team or, or done by the client. So yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I'm, I'm sure many people listening have that same uh, reflection point that happens in their business of, Hey, I just don't, I don't feel like I have that, that passion and energy anymore. Maybe the flames extinguished and this isn't right for me, but I like what you said. If no, it's just having a, a different perspective and, a, and, and pivoting a little bit to, to get that, that energy back. Yeah. It, it was a very pivotal point in my business and a pivotal conversation. And I don't even know if I've mentioned to her the impact it, it has had, but it really helped me to just realign or recalibrate mm -hmm. and get back on track and, and realize that frustration is a part of the journey and that's not the moment to quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you did, you did just let her know now, what was her name again? Kathy, Kathy. Kathy. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Shalana, what's your biggest learning as a business owner? There are a few learning points for me as a business <laughs> owner, but I think that my biggest learning point is that everything doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. I'm naturally a perfectionist. Yeah. And so when I have brought on other designers or other people throughout the years, they never really stayed on board and they did not stay on board because I, it was me. Mm. I had an expectation yes. that I didn't articulate in the best way or set them up for success in it. Sure. And so because I was comfortable knowing that I know my craft, I felt like, okay, they're, they're not going to do it the way I would do it. Yeah. Mm. And so un, not intentionally, I kind of moved them in a different direction because they felt like they could never own up uh, or, you know, own up to what I was expecting. Yeah. And it wasn't a attention thing. It wasn't anything bad. It was just, well, we don't know if we're the best fit. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I, in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, I kind of agree, but that wasn't the right way of handling that. And that's something that I had to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I had to understand that people are going to make mistakes. <laughs> Many. And, yes. And that <laughs> if you have somebody on your team who is not fulfilling a role, I have learned for me to always evaluate my practices and what's in place to help them succeed before I go to the person. Yeah. Because if I've laid everything out for you and I have provided training, I have provided resources, I've given you my vision and my heart for what needs to be done. 
and I've laid the foundation and made a strong foundation, then maybe we could talk about, okay, is there something you're not understanding or is there something I can help you with? Yes. Yes. That I think that's been one of my biggest downfalls. Yeah. One of the, um, I talk about this a lot of the term micromanagement is, is a terrible um, word because everybody perceives it to be a negative and that we shouldn't manage our team because we don't want to be micromanagers. But the reality is every employee needs to be micromanaged until they've shown that they can do the job that is required of them. So they need handholding, they need guidance and direction, they need feedback, they need, right, they need you to hover, right, and and look at their work on a regular basis, because that's how they learn and grow and develop. So I think that term just is, it's a terrible thing that that people use, because a lot of folks, business owners feel like, well, I can't micromanage them. So they don't manage them at all. And then their employees kind of flounder. So yeah. And that's that's a frustrating point in and of itself that you're silently frustrated as the owner. Um, and, you know, because you haven't necessarily articulated um, yeah. or given them the resources to succeed. So I have learned that and um, I have learned that structure is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, I know for me, I have felt like putting structure, structure and best practices and flow in place. It's so time consuming yes. that I was on the back burner. Yes. And then when I'm at the point where I need to hire someone or help get someone or contract someone to help, I'm like, now I have to do this training and now I have to have this. And I'm, <laughs> yes. So I'm doing what I didn't want to do. And now yes. I'm rushing through it. And yes. We're <laughs> yes. Yes. And usually when it's when it's that far evolved, it's Right. It's a whole bunch of stuff in a week getting prepared to bring the new person on versus if you did it, you know, an hour a day or an hour a week, right? Over the last year, all that documentation would be ready. Right. <laughs> yeah. That and that's still, you know, a point for me that I'm I'm struggling with with taking the time to really, really put things in place so that the structure is solid so that I can and the, the company can work on its own. Yeah. Yeah. One well, tip for for you and everyone listening is I have my team on their on their default calendar. They one hour a week is to document a new process or optimize an existing process. So that way we we're just continually building the the database so that we don't have to have that you know that rush when we bring someone on. So it's just a constant, ever evolving process of of writing down all of our systems and processes and procedures. It's, it's necessary. (laughs) So we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So share with us one of your biggest challenges during the, over the years, and maybe a fellow business owner who came alongside of you and helped you to get through that. Well, I think that that a year ago, when that whole frustration was going on for me, I was thinking so many different things. Um, And I have a mentor that really, really has helped me along the way, uh, Dr. Ricky McCray. Uh, he's a good friend of mine and he's a mentor. He's a he's an entrepreneur as well. And he's a senior pastor. And he has mentored me so much. And he's the type of friend and mentor that you that everybody needs. And I say this because he will tell you the raw truth. Right. And and there have been times when I'm talking to him on the phone 
and he's spitting it out and I'm just making all types of faces where he can like, oh, and <laughs> yeah, it's so it's a harsh truth um, that that he presents to me a lot and he challenges me mm. to do and to be better. Yeah. And I think that he has been very, very strategic in helping me look at myself. And he often tells me that you have a lot more in you than you admit and that you're willing to admit. Yeah. Uh, and because of fear, you keep yourself where you are. I would never agree with that. And I was like, I don't I'm not, I'm not like, you know, and as he helps me to dissect that, I had to really think like, man, I do have a lot of fear. Like I like operating in my comfort zone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I never realized that. I thought because, you know, if somebody gave me a business opportunity, I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. I, I was equating that to not being fearful. Sure. But that business opportunity, as long as I can control it. Yes. Look. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but fear is even if you don't have or not being fearful, I should say, even if you don't have control, you're willing to go with the flow and go go along for the ride. And I struggle with that. And he really helped me to look at myself really harshly and look at, you know, the goals that I have. I probably haven't reached those because of me. I'm, I'm my biggest stumbling block. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs face that. Yeah. We define fear as false expectations appearing real. So, yeah. we, you know, we can talk ourselves into a worst case scenario and then say, well, I'm not going to do that because of the worst case scenario. But what we don't allow ourselves to understand in in most cases is that the worst case scenario is not the most probable right so what's the worst case what's the best case what's the most probable now let's move forward right assuming the most probable and put risk mitigation strategies in place to protect ourselves against the worst case now right we can step out of our comfort zone and and move forward confidently that and we may not know exactly the direction that we're going, but we can be confident in that we've done the right things to, to set ourselves up to have, you know, a, a positive journey. And I'm so glad you said that because I am, I define myself as a risk taker with a safety net. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, yeah. I have a harness on, I'll yeah. do it, but I have a plan and that's not really taking a risk. <laughs> and he, he really helped me see that. And I always, if I think there's one ounce of failure, sure, one ounce of it's not going to work, I magnify that and say, oh, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> if I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If I asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for them being there, to help with your business's growth? Who are those three people and how'd they help you? Uh, I would definitely say my pastor, my, my the pastor of my church that I attend and that I work for, Dr. James Anthony Jackson, um, from a spiritual standpoint, um, you know, working in ministry full-time, having him as a leader has helped me really evaluate my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, he's helped me in so many ways that, that I probably haven't even expressed, um, but even just sitting and talking with him and counseling with him, he always challenges me to think in a different perspective or, or look at the situation in a different way. I'm, I can be very narrowed in my thinking. And mm -hmm. he has always softly and so uh, calmly challenged me to think in another way. 
And I have to go home and sit with that. And, and that helps me to evaluate how I handle that situation. Sure. Because for me, you know, again, being a, a, a analytical thinker and I, I move fast on decisions, which is not the best quality. <laughs> move fast. When I know what I'm going to do, I do it. And he has challenged me. And, and, and I'll share this really quickly. Um, there was a time when I knew that I wanted to shift my um, marketing business to deal only with ministries and nonprofits. I'm in that shift now. And when I, when I got the revelation, I said, I'm doing it tomorrow. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. And he really talked to me and said, you know, I wouldn't let go of all your clients. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he really helped me to understand, okay, I agree with your shift, but let's slowly shift yeah. that. Don't. <laughs> right. And so I was like, oh, okay. You know, so he has really helped uh, shape my thinking. Um, I have a couple other friends um, that have helped me as well. They're all of these people are business owners. And I would say that my friend, April Spells, um, who is also my hairstylist, she has helped me a lot. Um, and a lot of times the biggest thing that people can do for you when you're a business owner or you're on your journey um, or new journey is encourage you. Mm -hmm. You know, they may not um, reshare the post or they may not, you know, refer you necessarily, not saying that she hasn't, but the biggest thing for me is to encourage me yeah. and to tell me that I'm on the right track. Yes. And when I have those <laughs> moments of doubt, she has really called me at the right times and really helped me to, to see people don't see you the way you're seeing yourself. Right. They, they're not like, you know, the areas of improvement, but they're not, they don't see that. Yes. So her and another a business owner, uh, she's a um, a life coach, Phyllis Hart, they have really stepped up in encouraging me, just calling me to say, you, you're this and you're that and you're amazing. And, you're, and <laughs> for me, it's like I, I, I could be sometimes a very stern person or very focused. Uh -huh. uh -huh. like, oh, thank you. It kind of feels uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> So they have been such a blessing to my life. Oh, that so. is wonderful. I'm so happy to hear you have those folks in your life. As you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in, in getting to your goals? And who are the types of people that you're going to need to help you solve those? Okay. I definitely think I have to start working on those structural issues mm -hmm. um, with my business and getting best practices in place and um, operational procedures. I, at this point, am really, really needing to hire more people to help. And I have always strayed more away from that because I don't, I, I my excuse was, I don't think I'll find mm. the right help. Right. Um, and so at this point, I need to take the time to do the work to get structure in place. So that I give people that really have a passion for this and that know what they're doing a, a fair chance. Yeah. Yes. I love that. That's, that's going to be my biggest challenge within the next couple of years is getting a team and trusting that team and putting things in place. That, that Generally speaking, that's a challenge for everyone. The, the mistake that a lot of people make when they're looking to hire is that they hire based on a job description, right? Does the person have the right skills and experience? Well, that's that's not the most important. The most important is hiring based on cultural fit, right? Is the person aligned to the vision of of my company and the culture of my company, right? Would I it, would we enjoy working together, right? Do we have the same values and beliefs? Because 
teaching skills is is easy teaching a cultural fit is impossible right? mm -hmm. so yeah. making sure that they jive with how we think and feel and operate and and how we want the business to is first and then do they have the right skills and experience and then you already mentioned this third is then we have to set them up for success right what's the you know the first 90 day onboarding and the training and the guidance and the direction that we're going to provide for them so that we are truly right there to help them meet our expectations right one of the things i hear a lot um, from business owners is why well, I, I brought them in and i shadowed them for two weeks and then I left them on their own and they can't do the job as good as me. And I'm like, well, how long have you been doing the job? 30 years. So they got two weeks with you and you expect them to be able to do it the same as you for 30 years. That's impossible, right? <laughs> it is. It is. And that's, I think I can admit now, uh, thank you, Dr. McCray. I'm fearful of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fearful that that's going to be my reality as yeah. I talk to more people and bring them on and I have to be patient. Yeah. Um, I have learned that this entrepreneurial journey is really a, a, a sprint, a jog. It's more of a jog. I can't even say a sprint. Yes. It, it's more of a jog and it's okay. It's, yes. I am, there's nothing wrong with taking your time. In fact, we coach our clients to hire slow and fire fast. So really take the time to make sure that they are the right cultural fit. Make sure that they do have the right skills and experience. We even recommend that you put a skills, some type of skills test in the interview process so that you can tangibly see, do they have what is going to be needed to, to make this work and, and have multiple touch points in the interview process so that you both, you know, you're both feeling like, yeah, this is the right long-term fit. Right. And then if when you bring them on, if if you've done the right training and the guidance and the direction and they're just not performing, it's OK to let them go because there's no point in right keeping somebody who doesn't have the right skills or is doesn't have the right mentality. Right. Um, if you know you set up very clear, here's the expectations in month one and two and three. And if by the end of the three months, they're not hitting expectations, got to let them go right? And go back and, and find somebody else, right? It's a hard thing to do, but it's absolutely mandatory to, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's good. Last question here. Jim Rohn says that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So as you think about that quote, what advice would you have for business owners who feel like they have to do it on their own, that they shouldn't ask for help, that they shouldn't surround themselves with other business owners. They're just going to you know, do it on their own. I would definitely tell them that's probably the biggest mistake you'll make. Um, I am a very independent person. And even from a personal standpoint, I, there are things that I have experienced and gone through that I have isolated myself from people the close people to me, because I felt that there was something wrong with asking for help. Mm. There was something wrong with being vulnerable to say, I'm struggling with this. And so it's, it's crazy that in those moments when I finally reach out mm. or even they felt compelled to reach out to me and didn't even know what was going yeah. on when I released it and talked about it, the help was right there. And it's like, oh, I just had to talk to you or, oh, I just had to talk about this. And you had a source that helped me with this. Yes. And 
oftentimes we are very, very much so at a handicap because of our desire to handle things on our own. Mm. And this is, I think the entrepreneurial journey, it's, it's a, you need a community. Yes. <laughs> Even if you, you know, have someone that you just talk to when you're feeling discouraged or somebody that you talk to just when, you know, the finances, you don't understand that part and you want to, I think you need a, a, a group of people that you can go to for different things. I think that is highly important. And I would definitely encourage any other uh, entrepreneurs or people that are looking to start business or a business of their own to write down people who can be a part of their tribe. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It can be very lonely at the top, right? And so having, to your point, having those folks to be able to reach out to and and bounce ideas off of, or just get that encouragement or that support or that, you know, you're doing fine. Right? It, it, it could be the difference between, right, as you mentioned earlier, right, deciding to give up versus getting re-motivated and finding your passion and, and being ready to, you know, to jump all in into the next level or the next stage of the business journey. Yeah. And I think I would encourage them too that get someone in your tribe or on your team too, who's doing what you do and they're doing it better. Yeah. That don't look at that as competition yeah. like that. You can learn so much yes. that can help you. You, you're, you're, you have a market that you're called to. They have a market they're called to, that they're going to be around more, that they have a bigger influence at because they speak their language. There are going to be different segments and markets for each person. And it's okay. Work your market. Yes. <laughs> and they'll work theirs. And for everyone listening, guess what? Those successful business owners that that you're looking up to, they were in your place at one point in time and they will remember the people who helped them and they're going to want to help you because they know they can clearly remember the folks who you know, stepped in and, and came alongside of them when they had a question or a concern or a challenge and they're going to want to, to pay that forward. Yeah, absolutely. Shalana, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people in your uh, in your journey that have helped you along the way, if they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? I would definitely want to say thank you for your patience with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think in this journey, you have emotional ups and downs, highs and lows. You're firm on a decision to, today and tomorrow you're second guessing everything. And it's very, it fluctuates. <laughs> so I would definitely tell them thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for your prayers for me and you're attached to me. So don't, <laughs> you're not gonna, <laughs> I'm going to ask for advice. And even if I don't like what you have to say, I appreciate the honesty and the truth. That's awesome. Shalanda, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure. This has been fun. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.